Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? I learned that from the Nancy Drew detective. Okay, go. You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? Because I've read every Nancy Drew mystery ever written. Nancy, please tell me you're joking. Wow, you suck at this Nancy Drew stuff. You should get a new hobby. My name is Carson Drew, and this is my assistant, Nancy. Nancy. Nancy Alrighty, hello regular Drews. Hello, welcome to episode 54. Wow, we are going to be discussing Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase again. Can you believe it? But um, we're actually going to be talking about the 1939 Benita Granville movie. Directed by William Clemens, which actually we were just looking up to see if he did anything else we might recognize, <laughs> but uh doesn't look like it. Although a couple of Perry Mason mysteries set. So, looks like a looks lot of like mysteries, he, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, like a mystery uh, director. But overall, what did you think of this, Corey? It was cute. I mean, it was just yeah. as cute as the, the first uh, movie yeah. with Benita Granville that we watched. I mean, I don't know that um, fans of the original text, because this is what that movie would have been based off of, would necessarily recognize a lot of the elements of this story just based on how it was adapted, but mm -hmm. it's all right. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to say bad things about it because it was only an hour, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, I didn't spend that much time watching it, so it yeah. was entertaining for that time, but I don't think I'd watch it again, you Fair know enough. what I mean? Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, I thought it was cute. The thing is, is it's definitely a comedy. Yeah. It's definitely a comedy. I think all all four of these are supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can see how when you're adapting Nancy Drew's stories, you could it's really easy to lean that way. Mm -hmm. Like even the Emma Roberts adaption um is pretty comedic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um and it's just because I mean, when you when you look at a when you look at a Nancy Drew book, it's like either you have to take it really seriously or you have to laugh, you know? Right. Like there's yeah. no real middle ground. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. <laughs> and so I can see how a lot of people would, you know, lean that way because some of it, it's pretty ridiculous. So, um, yeah, so I get it. But I, yeah, it's just not, not really my thing, you know? Yeah. But but overall, I thought it was a cute, cute way to spend an hour. It's free on YouTube. If you have a, you know, some time, you might enjoy watching it. You should give it a chance, you know? They changed a lot, but it's still, it's cute. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Alrighty, three words. Oh, um murder murder ice um ice so oh, that's a great one that's a great <laughs> so, much call, Corey. <laughs> so much ice which is something we'll have to explain because you wouldn't think about that necessarily in you know 2023 sure um and honestly i just want to say like goofy like silly yeah <laughs> like goof like goofs lots of goofs goofs yeah part of that that slapstick 1930s humor maybe oh, yeah. um yeah, oh, yeah so there's a lot of that so <laughs> murder ice and goofs you know it sounds like a good time not gonna yeah. lie 
everybody. Okay, do you want to get into it? Summary? Yes, let's do it. Yes. So the movie starts with, like, carloads of reporters. (laughs) (laughs) So many reporters arriving at the Drew home. Um, They kind of actually barge their way into the Drew home, and they start interrogating Effie, not Hannah, Effie, um, because she is the housekeeper um, in this adaption series, um, who they think... They actually, they, when they come in, they mistake Effie for Nancy. They're like, are you Miss Drew? Um, and they ask her, like, a bunch of questions uh, about these people called the Turnbulls and about the Turnbull will. Um, and Effie, of course, has no idea what they're talking about. Um, and then Carson like, comes in and interrupts this um, and takes their questions in a more orderly way, of course. <laughs> um, and basically throughout this, we learn that some ladies named Rosemary and Floretta Turnbull will be giving their estate to Dr. Spires to build a children's hospital. That's um, the same doctor we met in the first movie, right? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, think, the name I did sound so. familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Although we don't um, ever see him. I don't think we see mm, the character. They just not in Not them, in this right? movie, no. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah. yeah. And so also as part of this questioning, the reporters claim that Nancy has like talked the Turnbulls into doing this somehow. So they're trying to get a quote from Nancy about this. Right. Um, And so while this is going on, Nancy comes clomping down the stairs um, and the reporters show her the newspaper headlines about, you know, the Turnbulls donation of their land or whatever. And Nancy is super thrilled about it. Um, but Carson makes a comment about how the Turnbulls can't actually legally give the home to anybody for another two weeks because of their father, Zachary Turnbulls. Well, he's their father, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he's a brother. Okay, father. Um, so he explains that um, Zachary Turnbull's will states oh yeah, that his daughters, Rosemary and Floretta, have to live at their mansion for 20 years before acquiring the legal title for the estate, and they still have two weeks to go before the 20 years is up. The will also states that throughout those 20 years, at least one of the sisters has to stay in the mansion every night. Otherwise, the property would go to the city. This is insane. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to take an appropriate pause so that we can all understand how ridiculous that is. What kind of, who puts that in a will? What kind of stipulation is that? Also, can you actually put that into a will? It seems like it would be bananas to enforce. Right. Like, how can you prove that someone was there or wasn't there? And then actually, we learn, too, that the sisters have actually been getting, like, signed and sworn, like, statements from their neighbors. Oh, my God. Saying that they have seen them there at night so that they can claim that they have stayed there throughout the years. They've been doing this for 20 years. So that's crazy. The dad trying to, like, imprison his adult daughters. Like, neither of you can ever leave this place. You can never, like, go on a trip or get married and move out. (laughs) I think that's what it has to be, is I think it has to be because he doesn't want his daughters to inherit his money unless they, like, absolutely, like, can't get married. I think that's Mm. the only explanation for it. Because... Like, this is very yeah. controlling. Like he best. wants his <laughs> his his money and his property to go to the state. He doesn't or the city. He doesn't want it to go to women. Well, donate it to the city then. <laughs> but he doesn't want to be an uncaring. Like he's like, if they have nowhere else to go, then they can have it. He doesn't want to be uncaring. Yeah. Too late for that, Dad. I know. Jeez. I know. Come on, Zachary. Uh, yeah. that's, but that's my theory. Okay. That's my theory as to the 
it's but it's weird it's, it's weird. weird and it's extra and i don't know what kind of executor would agree to the you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like they would that they would follow up on that you right. know what i mean i can't imagine but whatever anyway so after um getting their scoop other reporters all just happily leave and say oh yeah thanks mr drew whatever leave wild um and carson and nancy have breakfast um yeah carson tells us about the sisters getting their signed statements and everything um and he also says that he has those in his briefcase um and then carson goes into work and hannah has errands so she goes with him leaving nancy at home um but carson has forgotten his briefcase because uh it's just still sitting there in the chair he forgot to take it with him and nancy realizes it and tries to stop him but just misses him but then immediately the doorbell rings um, and she goes to answer it. And there's a man standing there and he asks to speak to someone other than Nancy. But Nancy's like, sorry, nobody's home right now. Um, and at this, as soon as she says that, he grabs her and pushes his way into the house. So, you know, note to self to everybody uh, who is potentially home alone. Don't tell people who answered the door that they don't need to know. Okay. I'm actually having a party. Um, there's a hundred people in here right now. <laughs> Um, or yeah, uh, you know, I would be home alone, but I've got my two guard dogs, right? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so yeah, so he pushes his way inside and he tells Nancy that he wants those affidavits, um, to which Nancy says, oh, what affidavits? Those aren't here. Um, (laughs) but of course she knows that they are because she knows that Carson left his briefcase here, right? Um, so he like pushes Nancy into the living room to stop her for, for, from calling for help because she's about to go call the police. Um, and then he starts looking around. Nancy very smartly decides to sit on top of Carson's briefcase so that uh, the intruder can't find it. Um, <laughs> but then Nancy sees the ice truck pull up outside. Um, she hangs a sign in the window, presumably to get the ice man to come to the house to deliver ice ordering this is probably yeah yeah, a good time to explain that at this time if you'll remember you know they people didn't have refrigerators they had ice boxes um in their kitchens and so what would happen is they would get an ice delivery to put an actual block of ice in their ice box which they'd use to cool their perishables um so the ice delivery was something that was common that people used to you know keep their stuff cold i have a fun little factoid about this i actually yeah uh, made a note of this when i was reading the the book because i thought it was kind of funny and interesting but i didn't bring it up because i totally forgot when we were recording the last episode and it wasn't super relevant to anything else we were talking about but they do mention Uh that the drews have an electric refrigerator um and so at this time if if your family had one you were probably pretty wealthy so i think it was in the book to indicate to readers Nancy's family is doing quite well because they have an electric refrigerator in 1930. Um, so obviously that was something that they had to tweak for um, mm. the movie because the ice thing ends up being quite a, a big plot point. Or not a huge yeah. plot point, but like it, it ties in a lot. So It sure does. It, I think the reason why they must have done that was to give, well, we, we can talk about that later. But Well, this is a like, clever little, you know, a clever move that Nancy does because they had the little mm-hmm. signs that you'd hang in the window to indicate this is how much ice I need this week. And that was a good opportunity yep. for Nancy to get Ted, Ned, whoever he is to come over. Right. Because we learn 
that oh, the sorry, Iceman. I spoiled it there. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, but it's a good segue. We learn that the Iceman is actually Ted. Wait, Ned? No, Ted. Because <laughs> um, our Ned character is actually called Ted in this series for some inexplicable reason. Right. Um, I have no idea why they made that change. Um, unfortunately, at this point, the intruder has discovered Nancy that is hiding the briefcase and like pulls it out from under her. <laughs> when the Iceman, Ted, announces himself in the kitchen, because the Iceman has to come into the kitchen to put the ice into the icebox. Um, the intruder goes to like cover Nancy's mouth and she bites him on the hand. Yeah, she does. Woo! Go Nancy. Spunky Nancy Drew. Um, then she pushes him down, grabs the briefcase and runs into the kitchen um, to get Ted's help. Um, and of course the man runs into the kitchen behind her and then Ted slides the block of ice across the floor, tripping the man and allowing them to escape with the brief briefcase. And then at this point, the man just flees and Carson pulls into the driveway because he's realized he's forgotten his briefcase. Um, Nancy explains everything that just happened. And so Carson goes inside to call the police. But while he does that, Nancy convinces Ted to drive her to the Turnbulls estate uh, when he goes for his ice rounds, because he also delivers to the Turnbulls. <laughs> so they, um, they're they in uh, Ted's ice truck, and they pull up to the Turnbulls driveway. And there they see Captain Tweedy is kind of standing, almost standing guard outside their, like, I guess, I guess it's their kitchen door. Um, right. And the River Heights de Police Department are kind of with him. And there's a bunch of reporters kind of in a huge crowd around Captain Tweedy. And they're all asking, like, what happened? Was it murder? Was it suicide? Tell us more about this. And Captain Tweedy is just like, no, I'm not giving any information at this time. Um, and Nancy and Ted are still out in the ice truck. And she's like, what do you think is going on? Do you think it could be one of the Turnbulls? Something happened to them. Um, so it, Nancy's like, come on, Ted, grab your block of ice. We got to make a delivery. So they go in and <laughs> Captain Tweedy lets them in on account of uh, Ted needing to deliver the ice. So they go inside and Nancy starts talking to the Turnbull sisters and asking them what has just happened here. Turns out their chauffeur was shot about two hours ago. Um, and they also introduce their neighbor, Mr. Talbert, who has come over after he's heard this news to kind of sit with the sisters. Um, and they start telling Nancy that if the cops determine that his death was a murder, then they have decided that they're just going to move out. They can't take the stress of this anymore. They don't even care that there's only two weeks left. Basically, they are just very freaked out by this. Understandably so. Um, so Nancy goes to try to see if she can figure out what the cops have discovered. Um, they go upstairs to a bedroom where it looks like Captain Tweedy and the DA, who is at the crime scene for whatever reason, um, they are disagreeing over whether this was a suicide or a murder. Um, and the DA is saying that unless Captain Tweedy can find more evidence, they're just going to count it as a murder. Um, so Nancy gets this idea. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Nancy is so chaotic in this entire uh -huh. movie. Because, like, it, she, what she's doing, it, it sounds absolutely insane. And then you realize, oh, she's trying to do it to, like, comfort the Turnbull sisters to make them feel better. But really what she's doing is just utterly insane. Um, so she's, like, obstructing justice. Act, yeah, at many points Actively. in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so while Captain Tweedy and the DA are arguing in the bedroom, Ned, uh, Ned and Tansy, <laughs> Nancy and Ted... And Nancy pulls Ted out into the hallway where there is, um, there's a phone in the hallway and a notepad. And she's like, start writing what I say. And essentially she dictates like a suicide note to Ted who starts writing it out. Um, and then they go back into the crime scene and 
Captain Tweedy just like lets Ned handle the gun that was used in yeah in this. Um, Ned's like, can I see that? And Captain Tweedy just like yeah. hands it to him. At first, he's like, how did you kids get in here? You're obstructing justice. Oh, by the way, hold the murder weapon real quick. What? <laughs> I know in the 1930s that they did not have the capability to do finger. Wait, no, they could do fingerprints, couldn't they? In the 1930s? Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I don't remember when fingerprints started to be a thing, but I think that was regardless. like late 1800s, early. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Even if you think like, you know, maybe you've already taken the fingerprints, whatever, you're not concerned about contaminating the physical evidence because that just wasn't really a thing people thought about in the 1930s. I understand. This is still a 16-year-old and you're just handing him fully loaded, by the way. Gun. Yep. yep. So, <laughs> while Ted is playing with the gun for whatever reason, Nancy plants the note that she had him write um, and then, like, knocks something over and then Captain Tweedy is like, wait, what is this that just fell on the floor? And he finds it and then thinks that it was written by the chauffeur. Um, Captain Tweedy is happy here because he's like, oh, I was right about this. Um, and the note that Nancy had him write was basically like, my sweetheart, I can't live without you kind of thing. And so Captain Tweedy is like, this is probably written about that girl in the photo. Uh, and at this, Nancy like looks around the room and she sees some photos hanging on the wall. And it's the woman that Captain Tweedy is talking about with the man who had broken into her house that morning. So we realize oh! that the chauffeur is the same man who came threatening her for those affidavits. Oh, man. Wow. All right. What a twist already. Um, so they go into the living room and Captain Tweedy proclaims that this was a suicide. So um, Floretta and Rosemary are, you know, they don't need to work. Uh, oh, my gosh. They don't need to worry anymore. Um, and at this point, Nancy and Ted say that they have to go, but they actually sneak back upstairs to the crime scene again, where Nancy starts looking around so that she can do her actual investigating a little bit more now that the police are out of the room. Nancy, like, looks down at the dresser and finds underneath it is, like, a bullet casing. Um, and Ted's like, that's great, Nancy. Let's go tell the police. And she's like, absolutely not. You're going to spoil everything if you do that. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, but really, she doesn't want to tell the police about this because if it is proved to be a murder, the sisters, like we said, are going to be out of there before their two weeks are up. Um, she also uses Ted's belt to measure the distance from where the body was found to where the uh, bullet casing was found. And she asked Ted if he can procure them a gun similar to one that was used in this. And he says, yes, but I have to go back on my ice route. So forget it. I'm not helping you anymore. Um, but I'll drop it off for you in the morning. But forget about my help, Nancy. I'm out of this. I gotta go to work. <laughs> I just... Okay. Maybe we should talk about this later. But I can't... I just can't get over the fact that Nancy is just not concerned at all with the death of this chauffeur. No. Like, she treats it as, like, absolutely, like, a non-event. Yep. Even though it's like, Nancy, someone has been murdered and you know that someone has been murdered and you're forging a suicide note so that people don't think it was murder. But you know it was murder. Are you just... And you think it's cool to just, like, confuse the police about this? Even if you do well, think they're I incompetent? I understand that she wants... Her her idea of benevolence, right, is successfully getting the Turnbulls to stay so that this land can be donated to a children's hospital, to build a children's hospital. I get that. Sure. But, like, someone's been murdered, Nancy. Don't you think that person deserves justice? Right. Takes a little bit of precedence over land. Right, or aren't you at least curious as to, like, what has happened here? And you're not going to find out if you're, like, lying to people about what has happened. 
you know? Um, anyway, yeah, whatever. So the next morning, <laughs> Nancy opens up her front door and there was just a little wrapped package with a gun in there <laughs> sitting out on her porch. Um, she picks it up, takes it inside, unwraps it, waves it around some. Um, there's a note there. Actually, <laughs> Ted has written a note, rolled it up and stuck it into the barrel of the gun. Um, so she pulls that out. Um, the note says that he's busy working today, so don't bother me, Nancy, because he calls her a pest. It's this whole thing, this this dynamic between them. She annoys him. He is an idiot um, <laughs> and lets her, you know, run circles around him. Um, but also probably he's into her, so it's fine. Anyway. <laughs> um, but he's working today, so, you know, leave me alone um, and tells her just not to blow anybody's head off with the gun. Good grief. Okay. Um, then our perspective kind of shifts and we're in a scene with Ned and he is about to leave on his ice route um, when his supervisor tells him that a new customer is actually called um, and asked for him specifically um, and, you know, gives him a new address where he's going to go take a massive ice delivery to um, that morning. Um, and he's like, great work, Ted. Oh, did I say Ned? I probably said Ned. Um, no, you said Ted, I think. <laughs> well, earlier, I think I might have said Ned, but it anyway. It's Ned. Um, we know who yeah, he is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Ned. Um, his boss tells him that he's done a great job at getting new business and, you know, can, you know, way to go. Now go go do it, basically. Um, so, you know, he drives his ice truck out to the middle of nowhere. He realizes there's nobody around until he sees Nancy <laughs> standing there. Waving the gun around like a maniac. Um, you know, just now, now he realizes that Nancy is the one who has put in this like fake order for him to get him out here so that she can get his help with something. And he's pissed, of course. He starts loading all the ice into Nancy's car and's like, okay, you have to pay $3 for all this ice that you've ordered. Um, which in $3, I think, in 1939, what is that? Well, I, I looked up the, um, I, mi I missed the part where he said the, the $3 amount because I was like, how much would a hundred pounds of ice actually cost? So I looked it up yeah. and it was hard to find any exact numbers. And of course it's going to vary on where you were right. in the country. Yeah. Um, but I found on average, it was between five to 25 cents per hundred pounds. So she was ordering 500 oh. pounds here, um, which in today's money, that's about between a dollar and $5 per hundred pounds. So about yeah. maybe $25 for... Five times that amount? In, it's like three dollars in nineteen thirty-nine is worth sixty-four dollars and six cents. Okay, so significantly more than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of money. She's gonna yeah. pay a lot of money. Which she kinda like questions, but she doesn't say anything about, which makes me think, oh God, okay. <laughs> Nancy's really rich. She's fine. Um yeah. Um, but so the reason why she's called him all the way out here into the middle of nowhere is because in the city, of course, there's an ordinance against firing guns. Go figure. Um, what is and that also, like? <laughs> <laughs> also, she can't figure out how to make the gun work anyway. So she needs Ted's help to shoot this gun. Good grief. So Ted shows her how to shoot the gun. Um, but so and he, you know fires it a little bit but she also needs his belt to measure the distance because remember she used his belt yesterday so she takes his belt and has him fire the gun so he's like holding his pants up 
while he's firing the gun off into the distance. Um, he's firing it like this sign or whatever. But as Nancy is like observing this, she's seeing that all the shells that are that are falling from this gun are just dropping right, you know, below, right around Ted's feet. So there's no way that, you know, where how it happened in the in the scene that it was not a suicide right because where they found the body was in a chair and the shell was all the way across the room so if somebody fired the gun over by the chair then there's no way the shell could have gotten across the room basically is what she's saying is that someone must have shot the chauffeur from across the room so let's see Unfortunately, Ted goes to check the sign he was shooting uh, shooting at to see if he was a good shot. He actually was a good shot. Um, but unfortunately, he reads the sign that says, Game Preserve, no shooting under penalty of law. And then a siren starts in the distance and a motorcycle cop pulls up. Nancy, like, just runs away. She flees. She gets in her car and abandons Ted with his pants around his ankles. <laughs> with her ice. Um, because she still has her belt and all her ice stacked up in the back of her car. Good <laughs> grief. Um, and Ted is caught and arrested by this cop. Back at the station, though, Captain Tweedy lets him off, provided that he, you know, quote-unquote, straightens up. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so Nancy talks to Carson about this, who tells her, you've got to call the cops and tell them everything that you learned, Nancy. It's not okay that you've been, you know, keeping secrets like this. Um, so Carson tries to call Captain Tweedy, but he is out. Um, he actually received an urgent call to go to the Turnbull house. So that's where he is right now. So Carson and Nancy decide to rush over there. Um, we learned that the Turnbulls were robbed last night, but for by all accounts, this should have been impossible. Ferretta explains that the doors and windows were all locked. They double-checked everything twice. Um, but we also learned that everything that was stolen was stolen from Floretta's room. Um, and the women are telling the captain that all that's missing is a couple of postage stamps and a package of hairpins. And I think like a piece of paper or something like with like <laughs> yeah. a phone number on it for the laundromat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rosemary says that she can just feel like there's this awful presence in the house. And, you know, even though it's just like little things that have gone missing, Floretta told her at first and she didn't believe her. But then they started hearing footsteps and then they also heard singing coming from out of nowhere and they were, they're hearing music in the walls. Um, but Captain Tweedy is very dismissive of this. He thinks that the women are nuts and basically says as much. Um, so he, Carson, and Nancy go to speak in the other room. And Carson tries to tell him that, you know, Nancy has this theory that the chauffeur was actually murdered. Um, and Captain Tweedy just does not want to hear it. He was right about it. So he just doesn't want to hear some 16-year-old girl's theories on on the matter. Um, he says he found proof that it was suicide and that no teenage girl is going to tell him differently. And Carson just decides to drop it and the police leave. Um, so Carson and Nancy go back over to talk to the sisters again. And they, th- at this point, they really, really want to leave. They are pretty much done here. Um, and Nancy's like, no, it was probably a bird. Like, um, <laughs> you know, dad, don't you remember that newspaper article you were reading yesterday about how there's this crow in town that's going around stealing things? Um, and, you know, if you had, because they say something about like, 
they had one window that was um, yeah, open, in but it's, it's open. in the closet, yeah. but it's only like so big. So like a human could never fit through there. Um, so they didn't bother to lock that one because it's so small. And Nancy's like, well, the bird could have gone through there. And, you know, they love to steal small, shiny things. So that explains like the hairpins going missing and everything. Um, and the sisters are satisfied with this. They're like, you know, it probably was that crow. Nancy's right. It totally could have been that. Um, and then the music was probably just like the neighbors were playing their radio too loud and it just spooked us because we were expecting to hear something spooky anyway you know what we'll stay and they agree to stay um and so um carson goes to leave and nancy sees ted's ice fan roll up and so she tells carson she'll just get a ride back with ted as carson is leaving she starts talking to the sisters once again and says hey has anybody ever tried to buy your house before surely you know this is a beautiful home surely someone has tried at some point in time to try to buy your house um, and they say, not in a really long time, but there were actually some racetrack people. Um, they stopped asking once they uh, once they realized that we didn't have the right to sell it yet. But there's this, these people that are trying to build a racetrack in town. And this area of town is perfect for it, apparently. But they, they also say that, you know, even if we did have the right to sell it, we, would, we wouldn't want to sell it to the racetrack people because that's not what we want this property to be used for. Um, and so Nancy is like, all right, cool. Good for you. I got to go find Ted. Um, but then when she goes to the kitchen, because he would have come in through the kitchen for the ice, she finds him flirting with the Turnbull's maid. Um, and Nancy calls him a halfwit and drags him out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's a very oh interesting gosh. scene. Yeah. So honestly, at this point, things go off the rails, I feel like, in a big way. And I, it was hard for me to fall. I did not, I thought for a minute that I had like missed a scene or something. I was like, did I, like, what's going on now? So we kind of jump ahead a little bit. Um, Nancy is going to be spending a night at the Turnbulls. Um, she's there. I think they're aware that she's there or she has snuck over here. It's unclear. Or she was just here for dinner or something. It's It's unclear. I feel like she did, um, like, just come over for tea or something, and then yeah. they didn't know she was planning to stay, but she knew she was planning to right. stay. But they didn't explain um, this very well. Because in their um, after-dinner uh, coffee or whatever it was that they were drinking after dinner, Nancy um, put sleeping pills in mm -hmm. there um, so that they pass out, basically, or sleep soundly, at least. Holy shit. So much chaos. I, I know. I'll drug these old women. That'll be fine. Ah! Uh, <laughs> I sure hope you got your dosage right, Nancy. Yeah. Jeez Louise. That's a crime. Oh, yeah, that is. <sighs> um, anyway, so she does that. Um, and then once they're asleep, she sneaks Ted in the back. Because she's called him to come over here um, and sneaks him into the house. She takes him right down into the basement, uh, makes up a cot for him, and tells him, hey, you're going to sleep here tonight. Where is she sleeping? What? Is she also sleeping there, or is she just going home? Well, she tells us that, you know, she's convinced that someone is coming in from the basement, because she thinks that's the only way someone could have entered this house. And she wants Ted to be on a look on lookout for them, so she's putting him here. Um, and then she, while oh. he waits down here in the basement, she's going to wait outside. I don't know if she's planning on staying there all night. What, what, 
the plan is exactly. Right. Um, because it seems like she wants Ted to sleep here because she makes up a cop for him, but she's not going to sleep. I don't know. This doesn't seem very well thought out, uh, to be honest, but None of her whatever. plans have been well thought out so far. <laughs> um, she's also given Ted a camera so that he can take a picture of whoever it is that sneaks in here for some reason. Um, so Ted's in the basement, again, in his underwear, and Nancy's outside. And while Nancy is outside, someone sneaks up behind her. Some shadowy figure like pulls up in a car, gets out really quietly, sneaks up behind her, and then covers her mouth. Um, turns out it's just Carson. Um, he actually intended to scare her because Nancy has, like, sent him a fake telegram to get him out of town. Um, I guess presumably so she can come over and do this without a parent or guardian being aware of where she is that evening. Um, but it was obvious to Carson that the telegram was fake because it actually said, like, River Heights on it or something. So, um, he knew it was Nancy who sent it, and so he realizes... She was over here and came to scare her and get her, bring her back home. Um, he's pissed at her. And, like, she tried to explain to him, like, you know, hey, Ted's in the basement. <laughs> but he won't listen. So he just takes her straight home. Um, yeah, so unfortunately that leaves Ted alone, um, sleeping in the basement. When a creepy intruder, whose face we can't see, comes in, takes the axe that Ted was using to defend himself. Um, I don't know where he got the axe. I don't remember seeing him pick that up, but Ted now had an axe that he was holding while he was sleeping um, that the intruder takes from him and also steals Ted's clothes. Um, <laughs> why? Mike, what, why do why do we have an obsession with seeing this poor boy in his underwear? This what is that about? Is like actually a child. Like he cannot yes. be older than 18, I wouldn't think. To be fair... In those days, underwear for men were just like, you know, boxer shorts and a, you know, a tank top or whatever. But it's still, it's clearly yeah. there trying to make it funny because he's in his underwear. And I'm just like, this is weird. Funny. You're a grown no. adult and you're like trying to throw the person who's onto you off your trail. But that person is a child. So you think you'll humiliate them by making them walk naked through town? And you don't think that that's worse? Okay. All right. Yeah, great. Um, so this intruder takes the axe, steals Ted's clothes, um, but without getting caught. But he does trip a wire as he's leaving um, because Ted has set up a trip wire connected to this camera that Nancy has given him. And so the camera flash goes off, um, but the intruder doesn't, I guess, realize what it was that what he saw because his back was like turned or something. Um, so he just leaves. Nice. Um, the next morning, we're over at the Drew home, and Nancy is awaiting Ted's ice delivery. Um, but some other man just comes in and, and delivers their ice. Um, so Nancy asks where Ted is, and the man tells Nancy that Ted has been arrested and fired from his job. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Oh. <laughs> Great. Um, so Nancy goes to the police station with Carson, I guess, to try to bail Ted out. Um, and they're talking to Captain Tweedy, who says that Ned broke the law by parading around as he was. Um, and we're like, hmm, what does that mean? Um, and then Ted comes in wearing like a 19th century woman's evening gown. And the matching hat. <laughs> and the matching hat. And everybody has a good old laugh, um, at Ted's expense. Um, because apparently it's so hilarious, um, that Ted had to wear women's clothes. And this was illegal back then for a man to wear yes, a dress? Yes, this was illegal back then. Okay. I, uh, let me, hold on. I thought that might be the case. 
But I mean, if his only other option is to walk through town in his underwear, wouldn't you rather this poor child put on a dress? Yes. So the birth of anti-cross-dressing law stemmed from the increase in non-traditional gender expression during the spread of America's frontier um, and the will to reinforce the two-gender system, right? Yeah, so this was a crime. Some of the earlier cases of U.S. arrests made due to cross-dressing are seen in the ni- in 19th century Ohio. Um, because in 1849, Ohio passed a law, yeah, prohibiting it, basically. But so it wasn't until after Stonewall in 1969 um, that they kind well, of stopped prosecuting for cross-dressing. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I knew it was a thing. I didn't realize it went on for quite that long. Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's upsetting so okay yeah so that's why um ted was arrested um of course these clothes were from the basement of the turnbull uh, house and he just had to put some kind of clothes on uh before he left um because yeah his clothes were stolen i just and that yeah he's been arrested and fired and laughed at by everyone because he was basically manhandled into this basement by nancy creeped up on by a creeper who stole his clothes and now he's had all these consequences not just by a creeper by a murderer right right that's a great point Corey. Uh like what Mm. this is just completely unfair um poor ted poor ted that's cold that's cold of all of them also like nancy laughs at him and i'm so pissed i can understand at the time why captain tweedy and carson would laugh at him especially as being like men you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but nancy's the one who put him into this situation in the first place she doesn't feel any remorse she laughs at him this is her fault and he's still in love with her after this (laughs) this is awful seriously um ted save yourself get out of there dude go Um, with that kitchen girl again (laughs) seriously She's not going to get you arrested. Take your ice truck and drive out of town. Like, <laughs> never to return. Well, he can't anymore because he got fired because of Nancy. That's right. <laughs> Dang it. Um, he also does tell us that whoever stole his clothes also left a note that says, keep away from the Turnbull house or you'll get what Phillips got. So Phillips is the chauffeur, the name of the chauffeur. Oh, Oh, that's right. So it wasn't just that his clothes were stolen, he gets fired and arrested, but somebody threatened his life. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. What a great night for Ted. Um, Ted is also carrying the camera in when he walks into Captain Tweedy's office, and Nancy can see that the flashbulb has burned out, uh, meaning that a picture has been taken with this camera. Um, of course, she doesn't, you know, tell Captain Tweedy this, like, hey, Ted must have gotten a picture of the guy. Instead, she takes Ted out into the hallway, um, who Ted is being let go again by Captain Tweedy. Um, and she says, hey, let's go develop this picture. Um, so when they go off to do this, uh, or while they're off doing this, Captain Tweedy is talking to Carson and he agrees to reopen the case. Um, since Ted receiving the note is evidence that probably something happened more with Phillips, the chauffeur. Um, but he promises Carson to operate in secrecy so that the Turnbulls don't get spooked and moved out before the end of the two weeks. But then, right as Carson, like, leaves the office, he makes a call asking for a couple squad cars, tear gas, and some Tommy guns? What? That, that'll keep everything quiet. They won't notice. It's fine. Also, <laughs> I just, I know that he thinks that he's, like, cracked this case or whatever, We'll have to talk about this later because this is pure insanity for me. Anyway, so 
So yeah, he does that. And then meanwhile, we see Ned and Nancy developing this picture. Fortunately, it's super blurry. We can't see who it is. Um, but we do see that the intruder is like walking towards like a door in the wall of the basement. So Nancy realizes, oh, there must be a door in the basement that this guy is getting into. Um, so they go over to the Turnbull house and they see that the Turnbull sisters are currently being arrested by Captain Tweedy. Uh, both of the sisters are incredibly upset, obviously, and they're sobbing as they're being loaded into the police car. Um, so Nancy confronts Captain Tweedy and is like, hey, um, what's this about? <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, this must have been an inside job. If we know now that it was murder, all the doors and windows were locked. They were the only ones else inside the house. So obviously it must have been them. Um, and he is, of course, unwilling to listen to Nancy or to look at the photograph. And he's like, I don't have time for your pictures, kid. And he gets, <laughs> gets in the police car and, and drives away with them. So now Nancy has um, until that night to prove their innocence so that, you know, they can get the sisters back into the house to spend the night there so that they can, you know, continue spending the night for the next couple weeks. Um, and, of course, the Turnbull house is locked since um, Captain Tweedy just took them to the police station. And Nancy's like, well, I got to get to the phone. So she just breaks in. <laughs> She tries to um, convince Ted to, like, help her break through a window, um, and in the process of, like, him trying to stop her from doing this, he falls and falls through Pushes the window. Pushes him uh -huh. through a window. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, breaks through the window, and now Nancy's like, oh, good, and just, like, steps over him. He's just, like, on the ground, covered in shards of glass, and is like, thanks, Ted, and just, like, steps over him and runs to the phone. Uh, so Man. She, I know. She's awful. <laughs> She's so awful to him. Let's talk about this. But she calls Carson and explains, hey, this is what's going on. You got to go get these sisters out of jail. And he's like, sure, I'll I'll work on it. I'll start talking to Captain Tweedy. Um, she does mention to him that she's currently at the Turnbull place. And then she and Ned go back into the basement and start trying to look for the secret passage. Um, they figure out from, you know, where the angle of the photo was taken, which part of the wall they think should probably be where the secret opening to the secret passageway is. Um, and they struggle for a long time and they <laughs> try several things several times and none of it works. And then all of a sudden Ted like pulls a, like a coat hook on the wall and then that magically opens the door. Um, so it's like a, a brick wall and like a panel and the brick wall just slides open. Um, and then Nancy like, it, she's like trying to push on the wall at the same time ted happens to like pull the lever so she like falls um into the tunnel uh, but she's fine um and they just <laughs> decide to prop the door open with a chair and start walking down this spooky tunnel um we learn here that nancy or nancy tells us here um uh, that the house is built around the civil war and the tunnel was probably used as an escape route back in the day that the idea was this that they dug it so that they could get away if the house was surrounded during the civil war uh, we learn that Nancy is afraid of frogs. Same. Totally get that, Nancy. Because <laughs> there's like a frog in the tunnel and Nancy panics a little bit. But eventually they come to a door at the end of the tunnel and they open it and they see that they have opened like a, a wall into someone's house, like into their like study area in their home. Very interesting. And Nancy's mm -hmm. like, 
if only there was a way to know if someone was home. And Ted's like, <laughs> Iceman's here! And no response, so it <laughs> seems like the house is probably empty. Um, so they look out the window, and they realize that they are in Mr. Talbot's house, because they can see the view of... I almost called it Twin Elms. They can see the, the view of the Turnbull Mansion from his window, um, and they find in the corner Ned's clothes and his ice pick that he uses to carry the blocks of ice. Ted, so we, Ted, Ted's clothes. I wrote Ned. It's Ted. <laughs> oh, I said Ned, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even catch that. It doesn't matter. We know who he nope. is. It's fine. Ned, <laughs> Ned, Ted gets his clothes back, and we realize Mr. Talbert must be the one responsible for leaving the note, and he's the murderer. He murdered the chauffeur as well. Um, Nancy also finds in his desk a copy of some plans for a racetrack, um, and it's got like a like a map in there, and then um, you see where the Talbert's not Talbert's house, where the Turnbull house is currently. Um, they would need it for this property. It would be part of the land that they would use for the racetrack. Um, so clearly, this is his motive. He is standing to profit from this racetrack, and obviously, wouldn't they wouldn't be able to build the racetrack at all if they're not able to get this land. Um, unfortunately, at this moment, though, Mr. Talbert comes home and they have to flee back down the tunnel. But then they close the tunnel door. And uh, Mr. Talbert locks it. Um, he, yeah, cleverly locks it from his side of the house and then goes over to the Turnbull house because he's realized that there's somebody in the tunnel. Um, and so Ted and Nancy are like hiding in the tunnel, thinking they're just like, you know, waiting it out to see if he's following them. Um, but he has circled back around and started coming in from the other side. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, so <laughs> he goes into the tunnel and confronts them, right? And then Ted and him get into like a physical fight. They're like trying to escape and, and Ted like, you know, tackles him, right? <laughs> Nancy very helpfully stands to the side and shouts, give it to him, Ted! <laughs> um, she does then manage to knock out Mr. Talbert by using her high heel. She, like, takes off her shoe and hits him over the head, which knocks him unconscious. Um, unfortunately, at this point, they learn that when Mr. Talbert came in from the Turnbull side of the estate, he let the door shut behind him. So now they are locked in this tunnel. They are sealed down here, trapped in a secret tunnel that nobody knows about except them and Mr. Talbert, and both them and Mr. Talbert are here. Ooh, uh-oh. Um, so meanwhile, while they're down here trying to figure out how they're going to escape, Carson is talking with Captain Tweedy. He tells him that Nancy has proof that, you know, uh, of who, or I forget what he says. I forget what he says. He has proof that the Turnbulls are innocent. I don't know that he says Turnbulls anything about having proof of who actually did it. Well, Carson yeah, wouldn't know at this it, point, so it must just be right. about the Turnbulls, yeah. Right. Um, and But he says that, you know, Nancy is over at the Turnbull house, so Captain Tweedy decides to send an officer over to get them, bring them back to the station, and get their story, right? Um, <laughs> at this point, down in the tunnel, Ted and Nancy have broken a pipe in the wall um, and are, like, aiming water from it, because there's water in this pipe coming out. They're aiming water from this pipe at the ceiling, Trying to, like, sluice their way out of this tunnel? This has to be the worst idea I've ever heard. Number one, you have no idea where you are underground. Right. You could be under the Turnbull Mansion. Right. At this point still. Or under somebody else's house. Or under a pond. Under a septic tank. I don't know if they had septic tanks in the 1930s. Whatever. You get my point. You could be anywhere. And now you're just filling up this tunnel with water. Because, yeah, by the way, the tunnel is filling up with water now. Um, 
And there's also an unconscious Mr. Talbert just sitting there in very clear danger of drowning. Like the water is like rising up to his nose. So this is a bad plan. Um, it's, of course, Ted's plan. So that's why it's so terrible. But, you know, um, that's what they're doing. Right. So so basically they're all in danger of drowning down here unless the officer who has, you know, come out to the Turnbull estate manages to find them. But he walks around. He hears some weird, you know, shouts and is like, oh, I think this place is actually haunted. <laughs> um, and he also notices there's like a weird leak in the basement. But, you know, he doesn't think anything of it. So he calls the captains like, hey, this place is haunted and there's a leak, but I don't I don't see nancy you know <laughs> um and that's relayed to carson and captain tweedy and so he, carson realizing that something is wrong if nancy is not at the turnbull estate rushes over there along with the rest of the police force while they're all outside um the police are surrounding the house for some inexplicable reason um and the, the officer who originally came out keeps mentioning to Captain Tweedy that there's a really bad leak in the basement, Captain. Um, <laughs> but the captain's like, don't worry about it. it, it we're not, not our plumbers. problem. Like, you know, not our problem, right? Um, but meanwhile, like, the ground beneath Captain Tweedy's feet is getting, like, super wet and muddy. <laughs> and then Captain Tweedy falls into the earth, which has now opened up into this water-filled tunnel, right? somehow Nancy and Ted have managed to actually sluice their way out of this tunnel. This um, would never but the, work. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, and the tunnel is like now like almost completely filled up with water. Like only their heads are above the water. But, you know, now that Captain Tweedy has fallen in, everybody around him has realized that's where they are. So everybody gets rescued out of the tunnel. Um, and Nancy explains that Mr. Talbert is the murderer. And then, Mr. Talbert is arrested. Um, but Captain Tweedy says, well, if Phillips was murdered, why was there a suicide note? And Nancy's like, oh, Ted wrote it. <laughs> and then Ted gets arrested again. Yep. The end. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, this is also the last one. Yeah. And I'm sh they maybe probably they had plans to do more and then at they this did, point actually. they weren't as popular. But it's just like, man, what a way to end. <laughs> I think there was going to be seven of them originally. There's definitely wow. plans to do quite a few more. And then they didn't get made, obviously. Right, right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Where do we start? <laughs> Can we start with how mean Nancy is in this? Yeah. I just, it's not me. She's uncaring. She does not care. She did well, not give. Well, she is give... mean to Ted. <laughs> she, yeah, well, I guess she's actively mean to Ted, but. She doesn't give a, she doesn't give a flip about anybody, anybody, even the dead guy, the dead chauffeur, lying about a murder to comfort some old ladies. It just oh, I don't know. The thing is, is I haven't I haven't read enough original texts to be able to compare Nancy's characterization here. Um, but it doesn't feel <laughs> very very much like the Nancy Drew that I. Uh, you know, have read about, but that's right. from the revised text mostly. And that Nancy is of course, much more, um, proper, I guess yeah. you'd say straight laced, uh, in line, sure. moral. Um, so, so yeah, but I just, it's just like, Oh my God, like, I don't like her, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to watch this girl solve mysteries. It just doesn't seem fair. 
you know? She is also, of course, 16-year-old in, in this version, right. so she's going to feel a lot more immature than what we're used to mm-hmm. with our 18-year-old version of Nancy. Um, fun fact, yeah. Benita Granville was actually 16 when this movie wow. came out. So wow. that's, that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I appreciate the age-appropriate casting, and I, I, to a certain extent, like Nancy Drew, and she's certainly supposed to be smart, you know, precocious or whatever, and everybody else is supposed to be just idiots, <laughs> um, which I can I can appreciate to a certain extent, but she just seems cruel. Yeah. Um, cruel in her intelligence, and that, I'm Single just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's the, that's the Nancy Drew that I don't like. Yeah. Um, in like all the characterizations that we see is when Nancy is so single-minded that she doesn't, she's, she's almost, she's so single-minded. She's almost absent-minded. Right. And, and is like uncaring and unfeeling to the people around her and like inconsiderate. Um, and yeah, so mm, I just don't like her. She's very lucky <laughs> things turned out the way that they did because imagine Honestly, she, she could have died. Yeah. Well, and imagine she hadn't, like, figured everything out in the end, and then this just gets ruled as not a murder, and then this guy mm-hmm. wins. Like, you can see, you could have yeah. thrown off a lot of things in the course of this murder investigation, and that's just Honestly. not okay. And for what? For what? For a children's hospital? Like, I understand that that would be great, I guess, but, like, what does that have to do with you, Nancy? Right. These are real people's lives. You know what I mean? Like, instead of just some, like, you know, future thing that hasn't even happened yet that you're worried about. Maybe worry about the people who are actually, like, having problems right now. You know? It's a bit baffling. In her mind, she's probably doing the right thing because, like, oh, these old ladies don't deserve to be scared out of their home. And the land should be used for this hospital. And that's going to do more good. I get that. But she's also making you know, Floretta and Rosemary unsafe by doing this as well, because they think that there's nothing to be scared of when there actually is. There's somebody who's trying to frighten them out of their home. There's someone who has murdered one of, you know, the people who works for them. So like they have a reason to be scared and and be, you know, on edge and like, you know, be safe and everything. But Nancy's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's not fine. Everything's not fine. And what is the worst case scenario if Nancy Drew does not get involved here? Like the land ends up going to the state and then what the state makes it into a hospital anyway? Like it doesn't seem like that bad of a worst case scenario. Like, Or it gets sold and made into a racetrack. Fine. Well, you know. Something that's going to make some people happy. Oh, but gambling. Oh, no, we can't. Gambling is a bad thing. I just, it's. I wonder why they changed it from a railroad to a racetrack. It must have been a moral, a moral thing, right? Because probably in Ooh, in the point. '30s, I can only imagine how important and vital the railroad was to small towns, and they didn't want to make it seem like in either direction, either the railroad is bad or people opposing the railroad is okay. bad. Oh, well, that's you know what point. I mean? Yeah, like it was probably just contentious, too contentious to talk about in the 1930s, post war. Yeah, but- right at the Start of the depression after the stock market crash and everything. Right. Yeah. Even the racetrack going in is is not as bad as the Turnbull sisters ended up. If they, you know, if things had progressed, if they end up getting murdered over this, yeah. Nancy. So, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you rather just have a racetrack than than yeah. have something like that happen? Because yeah. you decided to meddle in this and make people think that there wasn't anything to be afraid of. Come on. 
Yeah, I agree. I think her motivate. I know she's supposed to be young and she's not supposed to be thinking it through and that's clear, but it's just her motivation isn't good enough right. um, to like for all of this stuff. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? To forge a suicide note. Like you have to be, you have to have some balls. Like it's not just that you're stupid or you're, you know, smarter. You think you're smarter than everyone else. And so you do stupid things. You have to have some serious cojones to forge someone's suicide note. That's a like, other level. Yeah. Talk about immoral. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and drugging people, drugging people just so that you can what? Try to investigate a basement? Surely. I'm well, sure you could just ask them. Exactly. But they'd that be would fine involve, with you staying there. Well, that would involve saying, hey, you guys actually might be in danger right. and we can't let on. Yeah. So why ask when, oh my gosh. Yeah. It has I, to be yeah. convoluted for no reason. <laughs> I felt like most, honestly, most of the characters in this, in this were not super likable. Um even Carson, I felt like, was a little annoying. Yeah. Not overly much, but I just wasn't super effie. I found effie annoying. Captain yeah. Tweety's annoying. Oh, Captain Tweety really rubbed me the wrong way. I do not like yeah. him. <laughs> the only characters I liked in this were Floretta and Rosemary. Oh, yeah. But they I weren't even they were in hilarious. it that much, honestly. And they, they weren't have, in like, it that much. A few lines. <laughs> My favorite character, though, is definitely the maid. That, that Ted was talking to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was hilarious. She's just trying um, to do her job and she's, she's just laughing at a joke. Cracking jokes. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. And no. Nancy gets mad at her. <laughs> yeah, poor thing, poor thing. But but everybody else is just unlikable. And, and so it's not like, not that fun to watch these people. You know what I mean? The shenanigans they get into are somewhat entertaining, but like, obviously that's the only point of this whole thing is just for the shenanigans. And I'm just not that interested, you know? Yeah. Even I mean, Ted, you feel bad for him, but you still don't like him. He's still annoying, no, you know? because he's whiny. Because he whines about it. He whines about it. It's like, Ted, you need to stop being a doormat. Just tell Nancy you no. Know? Just tell Nancy no. Deliver her ice. Get back into your car and drive away. And it's not, it's not a cute look for... Like, people who are supposed to be, you know, somewhat love interests, they're not, that's not really super overt in these movies, but it's not a good look for love interests to hate each other so freaking much. Know what I mean? Right. Like, clearly Ted is super annoyed. He's attracted to Nancy, clearly. But, like, he's annoyed with her and doesn't like being around her. And, and, and Nancy takes advantage of his attraction and doesn't seem to care about Ted at all. Right. This is not a good relationship that they're showing here. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't, I just don't like it. I get that it's supposed to be a younger Nancy than what we're normally yeah. used to, but this still feels right. like middle school stuff on a, a 16-year-old right. that we should expect more from. Right. Especially when you consider that this is, yeah, 1939, right? And it's like, at 16 and 1939... You should be gearing up for taking next steps in your life. And at this point, like, you know, whatever that looks like, but not, you know, being a dick. Manipulating you know? him into doing what you right. want. Yeah. Right. Just because you know he's into you. Not okay, Nancy. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Not okay. Not okay. But, okay, what else? <laughs> 
Oh, um, I tried to to look this up. Couldn't find too much on it. I don't remember exactly what scene that she says this in, but it's right after they find some clue. Something is good, and Nancy's like, okay, let's go look into this. But she finds the clue, and she goes, Ted, this is the pancakes. Did you catch that? No. Yeah. What? Was that a phrase to indicate this is good or I like this, saying this is the pancakes? I don't know. <laughs> But speaking of, you you snatch at me the other day that scene with Effie. Oh, yeah. With that joke that was also incomprehensible. At the very beginning, the reporters come to the house and they uh, are, you know, well, as they're leaving the house, Effie is like closing the door behind one of them. And one of the photographers who was there took a picture of her. And so she asked him like, hey, if it's any good, you know, I'll buy a dozen. And, and he says, oh, if it's any good, I'll give you a dozen. And she's like offended. Well, she says thank you, but then this like look of realization she comes over her face, that, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, excuse you," and like slams the door in his face. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, it was clearly supposed to be a joke about something, but I don't know right. what. Like you said, which part of it is it? Is At the first, dozen the joke? Is the "I'll give it to you"? Is that the joke? Well, I think it's got to be. It's got to be like I'll give you something. Like when I hear "I'll give you," I think about like. At first, I was like, "I'll give you" doesn't like I'll punch you. But mm-hmm. I was like, you have 10 fingers, not a dozen fingers. Sure, so, yeah. It's <laughs> not, not that. But it was like, you know, I'll give you something, you know. And I thought maybe a dozen is like just something we like don't understand. Yeah. Or either that or he's implying that it's not like if they're any good, then I'll give you a dozen because your face is ugly. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like. Maybe it's the opposite and it's something crude. Like, oh, I think you're attractive, so I'll give you a dozen oh. if, if I like your picture. <gasps> Is that, oh. could it be that? I hope they oh. wouldn't put something like that in a children's movie or a I family movie. I tried Googling it, but I couldn't find anything. Um, I thought it was supposed to be more like an insult. Like, if you're, you know, yeah, I think your picture certainly. is going to come out bad. Yeah. Right. Ooh. Yeah. I think that was the vibe. I just don't get it. I don't, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely interesting slang. This is the pancakes. I'm going to start using this that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also, they say again, um, Nancy says, I'll bet you 2380 at oh, one yeah, point. I caught she that says it well. to the Turnbull sisters. Um, yeah, I'll bet you 2380 somebody wanted to buy this house or something. Um, so we talked about that in our other episode. That means that was the amount that someone was paid for. Oh, that was like a week's wages, I think. A week's wages, mm-hmm. right? That was a paycheck, twenty three eighty, um, for like this program that they had started around the time during the depression, so that people could work. And so that was a slang term that that came around, saying, "I'll bet you twenty three eighty, meaning I'll bet you a week's pay." Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Um. Let's see. I had a question about something Ted was wearing. Okay. Um, in the scene after, like, right where they go to the Turnbull's house at the end to go find the, um, secret passageway, Ted is wearing, like, a sweater that has, like, a bunch of people's names on it. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't know. I thought it was just a weird design choice. <laughs> but it's, like, Mick and, like, Bill and Butch. It's, like, it's, like, people's names have been written on Ted's sweater. And I don't know what that is. Is it like a football thing? Maybe. Do you remember when we were like in middle school and we would sign each other's t-shirts on the last day of school because we were too cool to sign each other's yearbooks? Maybe it was something like that. I remember that. Maybe it was something like that. He and his football buddies all signed each other's shirt at the end of the year or something. My God, the nostalgia. 
now I, I all I'm I'm thinking about are the t-shirts because we would buy like a a school year t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be like our school name and like twenty whatever, and we would all sign each other's t-shirts with goofy stuff and draw pictures on it. God, uh-huh. that's cringe. With oh. Our little okay. felt markers. <laughs> oh, yep, cute. Wow, I bet it was something like yeah, that. yeah, maybe it's something like that. I thought it was either that. Or it was that because this is after he was um, arrested for, you know, cross-dressing, right? So I was thinking, like, well, maybe this he got this sweater from somewhere, but it was, like, in, like, Lost and Found. Like, I was like, I was like, what, what, where is this? Did people at, you know, the jail sign it? And that's all that they had to give him to leave with? I was like, I don't. He made friends in I'm, jail and they're like, let's sign your shirt like, yeah, so you remember us. Maybe. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, this is a weird, because I was like, this is very, like, avant-garde, like, mm-hmm. postmodern, like, for it to be, like, a, des- like a design yeah. on a sweater. Yeah. You know? And I was like, there's no way. But I was very confused about that. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a good catch. I didn't really think too much about that, but I did notice it. <laughs> I So, I think the one of the biggest differences between this movie and the Hidden Staircase um, book, I mean, of course, is the plot. But I think the biggest difference in the plot is that Carson doesn't get kidnapped in this. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to know what you thought about that, Corey. <laughs> It was probably a choice for time, because if we'd thrown right. in that whole second mystery, this would have needed to be at least an hour and a half, I think. I mm-hmm. think it was just too much for the plot, and they decided to simplify yeah. it, but I don't know. That was kind of an exciting plot point, and pretty yeah. central to both the both the books. Yeah. I just... I have interesting thoughts about it because I feel like in in um, the book, it served as such a way for us to, like, validate Nancy. Mm-hmm. Like, because at the beginning, you know, she was all concerned or whatever, and Carson basically blew her off. Right. Um, and then, of course, he does end up, you know, getting kidnapped. And so it, it, it was something that, you know, they should have been concerned about. And so even though, like, Nancy... It was kind of caused by Nancy. We're still validated in Nancy's fear. And Nancy ends up actually saving, rescuing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is therefore like the hero of the story. Um, whereas in this one, Carson rescues her from the tunnel, not the other way around. Right. True. Um, and so I was just like, is it like, is it that we can't let a teen girl be the voice of reason? Like mm. she she can be smart, but she can't be too, too all-knowing. She or still has too to be the one getting prescient. rescued because she's a girl. She still has to be the one getting rescued. She still has to be making these, like, bad decisions that are endangering other... Like, it's just very clear to me that they cast her in a negative light and they purposefully, like, left opportunities to show her in a more positive light. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be, yeah, it's funnier, you know, to focus on, like, the comedic... Yeah. you know slapstick humor between her and ted but it could also be like well we're choosing to focus on that instead of making a story about nancy being a heroine you know um which i just thought was interesting which is interesting yeah. especially when you think about the fact that this i mean you know of course it's the 1930s so it's a male director but like can you imagine a 1930s movie that was directed by someone like mildred ward benson oh my gosh like it would be a much different story, I think. Absolutely. A story that didn't make Nancy seem so incredibly naive and infantilized and wrong. Right. Like, just wrong, you know? Like, she didn't have anything that 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 
proved her rightness at the end. You know? Speaking of Mildred, I am desperate to know if Mildred ever saw this and, oh, yeah. you know, what the uh, reaction would have been. She but had to have. I hope so. She had to have. Yeah. But she couldn't talk about it, right, for a long time, right? Because otherwise that would be admitting that she was a ghostwriter. But at a certain point, she did. So I wonder if there, if there are any interviews anywhere with her talking about him. That would be a good find. I would love to look and find something <laughs> like that. I did read that um, somebody asked Mildred, like, what was your favorite book that you ever wrote for Nancy Drew? And Mildred mm-hmm. said Hidden Staircase. So I was like, oh, I wonder if... Mildred ever saw the movie and she liked it and yeah. Wow. Would have been wow. nice to know more about that. So if you guys know of any interviews that Mildred ever did on this, please send them to us because I'm very curious. <laughs> I don't know if they're out there, but Yeah. Somebody wish, will find yeah. it. If it's out there, someone will find it. I trust y'all. Okay, yeah, I don't think I have anything else really either. Which how would you compare the two movies? Do you have a preference? Oh yeah, I like the twenty nineteen one better. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. probably a better adaptation, definitely. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I there's just a lot when you're when you're watching something from the 1930s that I just can't connect with. Sure. Um, and because cause, you know time has passed. I don't. I wasn't raised in that time. I'm sure if I was, if I did grow up in you know 1939 or whatever, I would love it. Yeah. Um, but you know we have more options now. We've you know. We've obviously progressed in in, in our uh, cinema arts yes. <laughs> um, at this point. And yeah, I, I liked that, the 2019 one better. I also love Sophia Lillis. I think she's great. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I just, I just appreciated it a little bit more. But what about you? You yeah, said, yeah, 2019 one. It's obviously more what we're used to in terms of what we expect sure. a movie to be. So yeah, it was, yeah, I would say it was better. It was definitely a better, uh, it was more faithful to the book itself, which gets yeah. a lot of points for me. I know it's, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the book mm-hmm. right now, but I really like it when books are, or when movies are faithful to the book. Obviously yeah. there was a lot of differences, but there was fewer differences than there were with this movie <laughs> in the book that it was based on. Right. That's right. all right. It felt like it, the 2019 one felt like more of an homage to the actual mm-hmm. Hidden Staircase book yeah. than this one felt like an homage to the Hidden Staircase book. It right. felt like more like we're using that as a jumping off point to write whatever story we want to write mm-hmm. and show Nancy Drew in. Whereas the Hidden Staircase movie in 2019 felt like we liked this book so much, we want to show that, we want to you know, harken back to that right. more so in this movie, you know? So, I mean, it's still fun, you know, it's a yeah. cute little oh, yeah. watch. It's funny, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not quite the same as just yeah. reading the book. Yeah. So that's okay. Right. Flashlight score, Corey. Well, now that I've said like, oh, that movie was better. I feel like I have to give it a lower <laughs> score. And I, yeah. I feel like I only gave it like a two. Maybe I'll say like two you and did. a half. You did. You yeah. didn't like it. I you know. didn't like it. Oh. <laughs> What a difference a couple weeks makes. I know, I know. But it only takes something worse to make you realize how good you had it before. (laughs) I'll give it a two and a half. Is that unfair? No, you give it whatever score you want to. Okay. I I would give it, this is hard. I would give it a three. Three? I would give it a three. Because I think it just doesn't take a whole lot of engagement to interact with it Mm -hmm. as a movie. And I appreciate that, you know, they know their audience, they know what they're, they're trying to do. They, they certainly, and they certainly did it, you know, it wasn't like a failed attempt. 
Um, so for that, it gets a baseline of three for me. It was funny and they accomplished that and it was, you know, kind of slapsticky and whatever. Um, a little hour long Nancy Drew movie, but there wasn't anything else to it. And so that's why it doesn't get anything higher than a three. I feel like three, you get, you get what you're expecting and you don't get anything else, but less than that is like, you didn't do it. You didn't do the job, you know? Yeah, no, I think a three is fair. That sounds good to me. Um, Okay, next up, regular Drews, we are going to be having a very special 55th episode. Uh, Corey, what are we going to be covering? Yes, we are going to be talking about the history of Nancy Drew adaptation. So kind of Ah! perfect timing since we've just, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of looked at so many different versions of adaptations of The Hidden Staircase. So Corey has written um, like a 20-page document... (laughs) Of research that she did single-handedly. Um, Only 17 I... pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's going to be a very interesting one. I'm very excited uh, to do it. And I hope that uh, you guys will tune in next time. Yeah. yeah so we'll <laughs> see you then, regular Drews. <laughs> we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there... Thanks for listening. listening.